Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Well, hey, everyone, this is Allison Kay. Thank you for giving us the gift of your time, and we hope to fill it with some really useful information. Now, you can't have a successful business if you don't have revenue. As we all know, the best investors in your company are your customers. So we have a guest today who's going to give us insight into revenue generation and sales. He's going to talk about his new book, but also he happens to be one of the top leadership experts on sales on LinkedIn. So maybe he'll tell us a little bit about how to build your authority on Mm. LinkedIn. So with that, welcome to the program, Andy Paul. Allison, thank you for having me. Well, give everybody just a little bit more of who you are and what you deliver to the world. Well, as you said, I'm Andy Paul, and um, yeah, I'm a consultant, author, speaker on sales for business-to-business sales primarily, and something I've been doing for uh, longer than I care to admit (laughs) on this, but uh, yeah, my career basically divided me into three different chapters. One is as I spent a lot of time primarily in the tech business, uh, working with a number of startups, growing sales teams. and then start my own company year 2000 to one of my areas of expertise was that I developed was how do you sell really large, complex things uh, working for a small company that with no brand name, no track record. Uh, and how do you do that competing against really big name companies, which had been I said, sort of my specialty in the startup world. And so worked with a number of companies doing that. And then sort of got the bug to share my expertise, I guess, more broadly about 10 years ago. And so in the last 10 years, written three books, um, published almost 1,100 podcast episodes so far. I know and- you're just so prolific, Andy. It's it's incredible. I think, you know, for our listeners, I think Andy's somebody that you just, you need to know and add to your your list to pick up some of his great insights. Andy, I just want to clarify today, sure. we are speaking to you in sunny California. I, yeah, I split my time between New York City and California, San Diego, and I'm in San Diego today. Well, fantastic. And we are catching you when you have just released a new book. Is this correct? Yes. yes. Yeah. About two months ago, uh, my third book called Sell Without Selling Out, uh, A Guide to Success on Your Own Terms. And yeah, very excited. The response has been great. And the motivation for writing that book was at heart is that at least in the business to business sales world, just my observation through my work with clients and talking to hundreds of people on my, my podcast is that, you know what, we're not getting any better at this. <laughs> you know, despite all the advantages of technology that we have, uh, yeah, we're, we as a sales profession aren't improving. And wow. in fact, arguably the statistics would show that we're actually getting worse, that uh, the way we're perceived by our buyers, our success rates, the percentage of sellers that are meeting their quotas year after year have been falling. So, wow. yeah, I was really motivated to say, I, I think I know what one of the main issues is and wanted to address that in the book. Well, let's talk about this. If I pick up a copy of the book, 
give me some highlights of some key insights I can sure. uh, pick up from the book. Yeah, I mean, sort of basic, sort of overarching premise of the book is that we we sellers generally have the wrong mindset about what our job is, and so that really dictates our behavior. So. I think most sellers think their job is to go out and persuade a buyer to purchase their product. And that's not really the, that's not really the job. The job is to listen to your buyers, to understand what are the most important things to them in terms of the challenges they face and the outcomes they want to achieve, and then help them get those things. And so if you think your job is just persuasion based, then you're going to fall into by default into these, stereotypical manipulation-based, you know, persuasion-based sales, uh, salesy behaviors that people instinctively resist. And um, you create these buying experiences that are kind of negative for buyers. And you sort of give them the incentive to say, well, how can I accomplish this without being bothered by salespeople? And, you know, the alternative is say, yeah, it's really a sort of a service-oriented approach to sales to say, I'm here to help you and we're going to work together to help you achieve the outcomes that are important to you. Well, and I have a question about you, Andy, because here at at Disruptive CEO Nation, we talk a lot about technology and innovation and changes. And Mm -hmm. one of the spaces I talk about all the time is MarTech, right? Mm -hmm. But MarTech can't, is as great as it is, um, and we want to break it down to you know, how you're capturing people through that, through that buyer journey and through the sales funnel, not everything and not all businesses um, lend themselves to just Martok. Like there's still human beings in this process. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's the idea, right? We're still in a human business. And when you look at the way that sure, marketing technologies, sales technologies have been used, they can be useful if used well, but in the sales world, I contend that most of the technologies have been used to automate previously bad sales behaviors so that we can just, wow. do more of, so we can just do more of them. Mm-hmm. Right? So, and this is, you know, one of the, the lessons I think that really hasn't been learned by companies is just because the technology enables you to do something doesn't mean that you should. Yes. You now have the opportunity to, to carpet bomb your prospects with, you know, endless emails, but Really? Is that what you should? Is that how you should be using it? Um, and so I think there hasn't been enough thought put into how do we create buying experiences, starting with our initial outreach with our prospects that say, wow, this is somebody I want to invest my time in. Right. Because at the end of the day, and in, in gosh, most product categories, not all, but most, this has been such an increase in competition. You know, look in the software world. Look, let's take marketing tech, MarTech software, for instance. But there's conservatively three, two, three thousand companies offering mm-hmm. products in that space today. If you're a buyer, how do you distinguish one from the other? It, I mean, it's, yeah, it's really hard. Right. And so if you're selling that product, what then becomes the tiebreaker, right? If the products are all perceived to be the same, what mm-hmm. becomes the tiebreaker? Well, the tiebreaker becomes the prospect's experience with the seller, right? So you as an individual salesperson, you maybe it could be you as an entrepreneur doing your selling for your company, uh, depending on the size of your organization, you're the difference. It's not your product. It's you. It's the buyer's experience with you. 
And so if you think your approach is, look, I'm selling hammers and all the world's a nail. And so you're going out with this persuasion mindset that you don't really care whether you understand the buyer and what their specific needs are and their requirements are, because I've got to sell this hammer. But if you take the approach to say, yeah, yeah, this is a human. They've got unique needs. They may be like other customers I sell to, but they are a unique individual. I'm going to spend the time to listen, to understand what's really important to them, see what sort of value I can add to their decision-making process. Then you start standing out from the crowd. Well, Andy, I want to pause. So if our listeners are near a computer, um, I always like to make sure that you can learn more about the person that we're speaking to. Mm -hmm. So Andy, your website's so easy. It's just andypaul.com. And on Amazon, uh, your other books are Zero Time Selling, Amp Up Your Sales. So I know that they can find you on, Mm -hmm. on Amazon. So I just want to kind of put that out there. Uh, and LinkedIn. So, I mean, very active on LinkedIn. Well, so. that's, yeah, we want to definitely direct people to connect with you on, sure. on LinkedIn. I want to, I want to park the LinkedIn piece because I want to dig sure. into that, but I yeah. want to come back to, because a lot of the listeners on Disruptive CEO Nation um, are founders at, mm-hmm. at different stages of, of their business building. Right. And I know you do consultation and, and stuff. So, it's very clear, and I so appreciate we're talking about um, you know bad sales behaviors. Hmm. But if you were brought into a company to um, to take a look at things and and help them uh, energize their sales team or, sure. or give them a couple of tips and tricks that you see as authentic pathways to success, what are some advice that you have for? Um, these new companies scaling up? Sure. Well, I mean, first of all, understand why you win and why you lose. So you have to invest the time to talk to your your customers that purchased from you and from the prospects that decided not to buy from you and understand really why. What was their experience with your seller? Because the reason why you win or lose, really, again, given the fact that in so many product categories, the products are can all virtually basically do the same thing. Yeah. The reasons you win or lose typically aren't due to the features of the product or possibly even the pricing. It's you know, something else. And you need to understand what that is and what those things are. And that's that both positively and negatively. And so I would, when I go and work with a company, we, it's one of the things we start with is what do the buyers think of us and the mm-hmm. experience of working with us? You can do some of that win loss analysis on your own. Um, there are companies that now are specializing sort of, you know, services they provide to be able to help you do that on a more, not where you're hiring consultants, but actually sort of a service. Some actually software is coming out now to enable you to, to do that. A company called Closed, C-L-O-Z-D is one of the sort of pioneers in that space. Use that as a as one of the sort of pillars of knowledge you need to understand is, okay, how are we actually being experienced by the buyers? Um, and then secondly, it's just... There are tools that enable you to, you know, more and more of our sales are over the past few years, obviously, but it's going to continue this way, are virtual. So there are tools like uh, revenue.io, for instance, is one that's one of the leaders where you can record phone calls, right? All all the conversations, whether it's taking on, you know, phone or Zoom. And as a manager, you can listen to what people are doing, you know, in real time, you can listen or you can listen to the recordings. And then... 
give yourself the ability to coach your sellers in a way that you couldn't before. Yeah, Andy, that was actually what I was going to talk to you about was, um, you know, our company CEOs and company founders, you know, what is the advice to help understand and coach and mentor, but in course, correct your, your sales team. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I appreciate that because I think when it comes to things like your revenue, um, you know, you don't want to micromanage people, but you sure as heck need to know what's going on. And particularly if you're in that scale up mode. Yeah. I mean, yes. I mean, you have to be an effective coach and, and so one of the ways to do that is, you know, stop sort of managing by anecdote or by what the, you know, the seller told you happened in his phone call, you know, Hey, his manager, Hey, so tell me what happened in this call. Well, you get a, a version of that because, you know, people have specific memories. It's, it's not like people are trying to mislead a manager, but why rely on that? The, the tools are inexpensive and yeah, if you could have a library of calls, that all your people are making. And then you could start coaching to the better calls, the ones that are having more success and helping people develop the muscle memory about, Hey, yeah, these are the things that we should be saying in specific times, or you can even, even tools. Again, I referenced revenue.io as one of the leaders in this is, you know, you can set alerts, you know, that if uh, they have a, actually a tool that if, if you don't mention a certain word within a certain time frame, you'll get a prompt to say to bring it up. Yeah. So you get actually real time prompts during calls uh, that you can script out with a manager just to make sure that, for instance, like, you know, did you ask this qualification question? Uh, Because you can analyze your calls and say, look, as one company I worked with is that way they knew that if they didn't mention a certain thing within the first 90 seconds of the call, then chances are they weren't able to get this follow on meeting. So they had, you know, listened to enough of their calls and analyzed it using these, these tools to say, yeah, we need to bring up this one point early in the conversation in order to keep it going. Or they knew that if, you know, the initial call lasted more than three minutes, they weren't going to get a meeting set up, a subsequent meeting set up. So the idea of being uh, very effective in, in asking initial questions and communicating what they did was really important in their customer base. So I said, these, these tools exist and they're not just the province of big companies. I said, they're inexpensive companies of any size can invest in them. And I think this is one of the things that smaller companies sort of that five to $50 million range that are scaling Mm up tend to overlook because they think, uh, you know, it's too complicated, too complex, require too much investment. Now this is really the time when you want to use those tools because as you're developing your sales motion that enables you to scale, make sure I understand what's really happening and why. Well, thank you for that. I want to shift though and go back to the LinkedIn piece because I I feel like LinkedIn can be such a valuable tool for a lot of uh, businesses as they're scaling up or Mm -hmm. for individuals as they're building their personal authentic authentic brand. brand. And you absolutely live um, heavily in LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Um, You are uh, on that high end of the LinkedIn's top list of Mm -hmm. global sales experts to follow. Tell us a little bit about how you have built that reputation on LinkedIn and and tips that you would give to other people. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's, there's not much mystery to it. It's, (laughs) It's about, 
being consistent in sharing good content. I mean, that, if more than anything else, it's, it's that, right? It starts with having a point of view and, and consistently sharing that point of view. And is this through the article tool where you write your own articles or is this through sharing um, other people's content? No, it's yours. So it's not writing articles. It's writing posts, right? The, you can write longer form articles, but uh, generally it's posts that people really, and posts, they've lengthened how much you, know, you can put into a post compared to the past, but that's where most of the, the content is shared. So that could include video as well. Um, but text posts seem to do still be most effective. But as I said before, it's really about being consistent. So you have to uh, commit yourself to saying, look, this is how, this is my brand. We know that, that from research has been done. There was a company, it's two couple companies have done it uh, saying that virtually a hundred percent of buyers are going to look at a seller's LinkedIn profile before they speak with them for the first time. Say that again. How many? Well, it's, it's in the high eighties. Yeah. So just, just call it a hundred percent. Right. Well, and I also say, I don't, I, I don't even take an, like, even if for job applicants, I always, if, if, if they've made it through those first levels and they make it to my desk, I'm always looking them up on LinkedIn. Sure. Um, it's, just, it's uniform. So it's, that's it's the world we live in. Yeah. Yeah. So when people come to your profile, what are they going to see? So are they going to see somebody that has nothing to say? <laughs> I mean, uh, if you're a salesperson or an entrepreneur and you're selling to your prospects and somebody comes to your LinkedIn profile and there's nothing that you've written about the business you're in and the things you care about, uh, the things that might be important to your buyers. And they have a choice between talking to you and somebody that's one of your competitors. That's just the opposite. That is out there. That is sharing. That is writing about the industry and the customers and so on. Mm -hmm. Who are they going to talk to? They want to talk to the one that seems to have a a point of view because they'll think, well, huh, maybe they can help me more than they have more insights, perhaps to be able to help me than this other person. Well, Andy, on, on the topic of being a content creator, again, I think we've well established and our listeners can hear you are a prolific content creator. Um, sure. And your podcast has been on Inc. Magazine's list of top leadership podcasts. Hmm. Um, over 2 million downloads to date. How fabulous. Almost twice uh, that by now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell us about the podcast what it is, the type of guests you talk to, what people can learn sure. if they, they hop over and listen to it. And just before we get that, you know, the podcast has been really important for us as a source of content that we put on LinkedIn, that we share and promote our episodes. Again, it's a, people think of this idea of creating content as being sort of daunting. And it really doesn't have to be. I mean, podcasts, yes, take a little more work, but just this idea of writing posts, you know, you're not writing a thousand word post. I mean, most of my posts are, a couple hundred words, you know, they're relatively short. So um, yeah, the podcast, you know, we speak to a a broad sales audience, you know, it's not targeted at one specific uh, segment or another. Um, Yeah. I try to find people to bring on the show that I just think have interesting things to share that, that perhaps aren't just the same old, same old, you know, repetition of sales lessons, but people have a unique, perspective on mindset or psychology mm-hmm. or uh, just a different way of looking at, you know, the profession and, and what we should be doing. 
so yeah, it's kind of eclectic, um, but it's, you know, people value it because it's exposing them to new ideas. So I'm going to head back to, again, the book that, that you're out talking about now. Mm-hmm. And in the book, um, if I understand this correctly, you focus on a, uh, some four pillars, uh, connection, curiosity, understanding, and, and generosity. Right. So give us just a little bit more on, on your th- thoughts sure. behind that and the processes of how you in, engage and train people to become a more proficient salespeople. Right. So just start with this mindset we talked about, you know, what your job is. If you put your own interest ahead of those of the buyer, you're selling out, right? And that's, you know, the, you hear the expression from <laughs> buyers all the time, while the seller had commission breath, right? I mean, they were, <laughs> they were going to do whatever it took to get that order. That's, that's selling out. And where again, when you come from this more service mentality, that's selling in. So the four pillars are the four pillars of selling in. So it's just a great way to serve simple mindset to think about, am I selling out or selling in? And I've got charts in the book to help you sort of envision, envision whether you're doing one or the other. But these are based on core human behaviors, human attributes, right? We are wired to want to connect to people. Um, you know, through our connection with an individual that we build credibility and trust. You think we talk about trust all the time in sales and it's like, well, they need to trust me to buy from you. It's more fundamental than that. They need to trust you to share information with you that you need to be able to help them, right? As you need to earn, as I write in the book, is you need to earn a level of trust so the customer will give you permission to stick your nose into their business. That's what you need to do as an effective seller. You need to stick your nose into the buyer's business. You need to really be able to dig deep and understand, yeah, what are these things that are most important to them in terms of the challenges they face and the outcomes they want to achieve by addressing the challenges. So we earn that trust through our connection that leads to them opening up to our curiosity. So we can ask the questions. We're wired to be curious as human beings. We unfortunately, we sort of suppress that uh, in the way we teach people. But, you know, curiosity is how we navigate things that are unfamiliar to us, right? Or in the world, we, we pop out day one of our lives. We're curious about the world around us. Well, that continues. So as adults, as sellers, we need to use our curiosity to navigate through this environment with the buyer to truly understand. I said, these things are most important to them. Our understanding is not just uh, helping us solve problems. It's also helping us have empathy for people and the situations they're in and understanding why these things are important to them. Um, and then generosity is, you know, we're wired to give yes, through eons of evolution. We've, we've shared and given that makes us feel good. And there's a way to actually help buyers that, that, uh, is generous. As I talk about in the book, I mean, you actually think about the, the definition I gave of sort of what our job is as sellers is, you know, we listen to our buyers. That's, that's a generous act. We understand the things that are most important to them. That's a generous act. And then we help them achieve those things. That's also an act of generosity. Andy, I want to ask you, you talked about business trust. And I, mm-hmm. I just have to ask you because you've, you've been observing this world of the relationship between the buyer and the seller, mm-hmm. as we've established for, for a long time. And we're in a, a shift, though, where where people tend to want to buy from corporations 
less, from faceless entities less. Do you see any any other shifts or trends that you think people need to be watching for when it comes to the buyer-seller relationship? Is, is Are you seeing that's kind of true, that these bigger companies are starting to lose some of the advantages to smaller companies? Um. I don't know if they're losing the advantages. I think it's, I think the advantage goes to the human, the person that can be the most human. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk about, Oh gosh, you know, buyers don't want to talk to sellers anymore because they can do so much of the, the buying journey on their own. True to some degree, but buyers still want to talk to sellers who can help them. Right. Uh, So if you're nothing more than just a human version of your company's website, then yeah, your buyers really don't have much time for you because they have to make decisions about how they're going to invest their time and attention, right? This is their, their most limited resource and they will, and they want to invest their time and attention in sellers who can help them think differently about the challenges they face and the opportunities they have to achieve based on addressing those challenges. They want those new pers- insights, those new perspectives. Uh, but if you can't provide those, then yeah, they don't have much time for you. And technology is enabling buyers to set to do more and more of the, the buying journey on their own without the intervention of sellers. So it puts pressure on the seller to say, well, okay, how can I continue to be this source of value to a buyer? And that, requires yeah, a certain level of product knowledge, certain level of expertise and the companies, uh, you know, the business of the companies that you're selling to combined with this ability to help them go through their buying journey in a way that, um, yeah, they consider a positive experience. And again, it gets back to the human, the individual, you know, there was a study done, I think about 10 years or so ago by, by, uh, I think it was Gartner that said that when they're talking about this issue of trust is that buyers actually, when they make their decisions, the level of trust that's most important is the trust in the individual salesperson, not the company they represent. I agree with that. And this, this becomes very critical when you think about it. It's just, you know, gets back to this basic premise of my book. It's about how the buyers experience you as an individual and you have tremendous amount of control over that as a salesperson. And you know, the book gives you a sort of a, a process and a structure and a framework to, to be able to create those positive buying experiences. So Andy, our time comes up quickly on this program. I want to ask you one more question. Sure. And and this is, you know, you talked about, you know, the the most precious thing is is time and attention and getting the time mm-hmm. and attention. Um, I get barraged with, with, with emails from, from sellers really trying to get my attention. Is there any, any magic you see in this current environment? Because I don't want to necessarily pick up a phone. I don't necessarily want to respond to the email, but is there anything that you're seeing Andy at a very fundamental basic level that, that helps somebody say yes, or at least help somebody look at the email? Well, yeah, I mean, there's all, and that's a big science. It's a, there's yeah, so much to science, it. Science and art to, to email. But I think if you're trying to reach out to people, you think about, well, this is a multi-channel 
endeavor, right? It's not just email. It's not just phone. It's going to be LinkedIn. Uh, it could be Twitter. It could be you're texting someone is, yeah, there's various <laughs> degrees of, of, uh, let's say agreement. Let's about, you know, when you start texting a buyer and so on, but yeah, don't look at a single threaded and in all cases, just be you, right? This is a really important thing is, you know, how are you presenting yourself to the buyer? This get back to your LinkedIn profile to some degree is, is if you're going to send a, a LinkedIn connection request to someone, uh, you know, do you immediately, if they accept it, do you immediately jump in and hit them with a sales pitch? Or are you investing time and in making a connection and, and uh, spend time on their profile? Maybe you comment on some of the posts that they make, or maybe you share things that, that may be relevant to them before you hit them up with, Hey, I've got, a, you know, do you have a few minutes to talk? Yeah. Oh, you know, Andy, these- you're, you're so, I can't tell you how many people I, I connect with and I say, I'm a, I'm a huge networker, huge mm-hmm. LinkedIn person. You never know when you're going to need is somebody or what, like you said, you're going to find value in what they post or humor in what they mm-hmm. post. The worst is when I say, happy to connect with you. I don't need your services right now. <laughs> and then the me. very next thing they do is pitch their services. Yeah. And then I usually on connect. I'm like, no, I, I, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, Bad behavior is still bad behavior from a sales perspective. doesn't matter the channel. I, you know, my favorite story, and this happened to me twice now, is where I get a message from somebody on, on LinkedIn saying, hey, Andy, I was just looking at your profile, and I think you'd be an ideal candidate to start a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> And so I get those too. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, okay, well, if you spent, you're on LinkedIn, you sent me this message. If you you look at my profile. <laughs> yeah. You'd know that I've been podcasting for seven years. You know, it's, this is nothing new. And so I, I usually don't respond to things like that. But in one case I did, I said, okay, I forget the person's name, but it's like, you know, John, um, you know, not, not trying to be difficult here, but if you'd spend even five seconds looking at my profile, you would seen that you have a, a well-established podcast. And the response was, yeah, I just don't have time for that. Well, I like, they pitch me how to, you know, that I, I need to be an authority and write my own book. And it's like, but if you look at the banner of my LinkedIn, my two book covers are there. Like yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you don't even have to read anything. There's two book covers with my name on them and you're going to, I've done a ton of those since (laughs) this latest book published. Yeah. People thinking, yeah, you should write a book. It's like, yeah, I just did. So that's what I'm saying is technology hasn't been a savior. It's, I said, oftentimes it's amplifying bad behaviors, but I think people really focus on just being themselves, being authentic and being interested in other people start from the position of curiosity, right? How do you make yourself interesting to someone else? Be interested in them. Yeah. That if nothing else, you know, you want to take away from this is if you want to, you know, the, the key to effective connections and relationship building, be interested in the other person first and foremost, and be patient. Yeah, a- absolutely. Andy, tell everybody again, how they can get in touch with you, sure. where they can get connected. Yeah. Yeah. We'll start LinkedIn. Connect with me there. Um and yeah, follow my content on LinkedIn. You can follow me at my website, andypaul.com. But most of the new content is on LinkedIn first and or my podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul. I think we're episode 
I don't I forget, 1050, it's something like that. It's insane how many episodes you've had, but seven years, I, I it's, it's insane. Fun. Yeah. It's fun. As I tell people, it's, yeah, I get to talk to all these smart people that uh, help, help me learn new things as well. So there, and then, um, yeah, if you want to purchase my book, Amazon, wherever you buy books, uh, you can find it. Andy, thank you so much for coming and, and sharing some of your wisdom and insights with us. Um, thank you. Yeah, it, it was really good. And like I said, I know I've been to, um, I, I've listened to your podcast. It's like really great stuff. And so hopefully maybe we'll come back and talk to you again in the future. That'd be great. Thanks for having me. So our listeners, uh, everybody, as we always say, keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive. And if Andy said something that you think somebody else needs to hear, uh, pass along a copy of this episode and tell them to follow him on LinkedIn. Again, everybody have a great day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.